This morning's message is a break from our usual series in John, and the main reason we're taking a break is so that Pastor Matt can get a break, and not just because he's tired, but because he's sick. So this is more of a necessity and uh, on the on the la- latter end of a good notice. So <laughs> this sermon is something I I had recently preached at our elder training session, and I will now I've now tried to. Uh, Adapt it for this Lord's Day to you all. And I assume that we will be back to a ser- series in John next Lord's Day as normally. And why is it a sermon on Jeremiah 1? Well, as I mentioned, I had already done some work on it, so this was halfway prepared. So <laughs> it was out of necessity, not of divine choice. Well, no, let me scratch that. It was not of my choice, but it was maybe because of divine choice. But we'll see about that. This morning we will look at someone who's called the weeping prophet. We'll look at Jeremiah. As it is only chapter 1, we only get an introduction to him, but uh, let me paint the picture for us. The year is 365 before Christ. This is about 300 years after King David the Great had died. And uh, this King David, who all of Israel looked at as the divine sent king, who would usher in an era of prosperity and peace, and they believed that his kingdom would have no end. But uh, when we read in the Bible, especially the, the book of Kings and the book of Chronicles, we see that this was not the, the reality at, at all. From David on, it all went downhill. Israel was divided into Israel, uh, north and Judah in the south. And both of these nations had pretty much only awful kings. Judah had some good ones, but Israel mainly evil kings who did what was evil in the Lord's sight. I'm thinking of the king in Norway, Harald V, and the crown prince is Håkon. Imagine that, and I think he has done, he has ruled justly and rightly, and when he dies, Crown Prince Håkon will take over as king in Norway. And uh, this is just hypothesizing. I'm not uh, speaking to their characters at all. But imagine that Håkon also does well. Or maybe he fares a little less than his father, but he's a good king in general. But say that, this is all hypothetical, but say that a a son coming later, a a king or queen as it might be in, in Norway, they fare so bad and they do a 180 degree and by this rule takes Norway down a horrible spiral of degradation and destruction there's a term for a quizzling I assume that many if not all of you know what a quizzling is but for information a quizzling is a one who a traitor to a nation and especially the one who sold his nation to a foreign nation the name comes after a Norwegian called Quisling because he sold out Norway to Hitler. Say that this son or future king or queen of Norway is the Quisling and uh, he sells out Norway to another nation and four nations comes in and the people of Norway stand by and welcome it. This is how we find ourselves in the time of Jeremiah chapter 1. We had King Manasseh, who was one of those 
very evil kings. You can read about him in 2 Kings 21. He and his son Amon, they did what was terrible in the Lord's eyes. They built up altars on all the high places and even dared to put, a temp- to put an altar in the temple of the Lord in Jerusalem. They performed sacrifices, they led a life of idolatry, and they even, as it says in the Bible, gave their children to the fire. I will not elaborate on that, but I think we all see what that was. To imagine someone doing that is beyond awful and gives them the title, one of the worst kings of Judah of all time. It says in Second Kings 21, Manasseh led them astray to do more evil than the nations had done whom the Lord destroyed before the people of Israel. So the Bible records that this King Manasseh led the people of Israel to do a worse work and a greater evil than the nations that the Lord had driven off for Israel. So Israel had now become the worst of the worst. And prophet after prophet was sent to Judah and Israel to tell them to repent, to turn away from their wicked ways. But neither the kings nor the people nor the prophets or the priests in that day listened to the prophets sent by God. And then God sends Jeremiah to give Judah a final call. I've, turned, I've named my sermon Jeremiah's Call of Judgment. Jeremiah's Call of Judgment. And this morning we will look at this final call and reflect upon the society today, how it does not differ that much from that society. Who are our prophets and what do they say to us? I hope we'll see from my text today that God is the one, he is the initiator and he is the instructor and he is the guarantor of Jeremiah's message and we depend on God to be the same for us today. We'll look at this in three points. My first point being initiator. The true prophet must be called by God. Initiator. The true prophet must be called by God. And I will come back to these when we get there as well. Second point will be instructor. God's word is the only cure for faithlessness. Instructor. God's word is the only cure for faithlessness. And my third and final point will be guarantor. God will preserve his prophets. Guarantor. God will preserve his prophets. So let us deep into our te- let's dive into our text and see what this means for us today. In verses 1 to 3, as we read, we, there's a summation of who Jeremiah is, that he is a priest in the land of Benjamin, which is also in Judah. The people of Judah and Benjamin, they stuck together and had the nation Judah, and the rest of the, tw- of the 12 tribes became Israel, or a new version of it, one might say. And it says that he was a prophet during Josiah's reign. So we have this horrible king Manasseh and his son Amon, and then after is Josiah. And uh, Jeremiah, he prophesied, and he was a prophet in Josiah's days. And Josiah started off as a horrible king, but after a few years, some say five he found the, the scroll of God or the law of God and he implemented or he started to reform Judah 
to turn it back to godliness, to turn it back to God's ways. And in this time, um, God called Jeremiah. As we can see in verses 4 and 5, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, and before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you to a prophet to the nation. So God called Jeremiah, saying that before Jeremiah was even born, before he was formed in his mother's womb, God knew him, and he consecrated him, and he set him apart to be prophet to the nations, especially Judah. And the first and foremost thing we can see here in this text is that it is God, not Jeremiah, who initiates a work. He was the one who enlisted Jeremiah to become a prophet. Before he was even born, before he was formed in the womb, God made him a prophet. We see also this theme of God calling people even before birth in other places in the Bible. And I will point your direction to Romans 9.11. It will not be a long section, so I will just read it here, but 9.11, Romans 9.11, about Esau and Jacob. Though they were not yet born and had done nothing good or bad, or either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. So let us let the text, both in Romans and especially in Jeremiah, speak plainly. Things in this world happen for a good reason. We might not know it now, and most things we will not ever get to know in this life. But the Bible here in these two texts tells us that God calls and it happens in order to fulfill God's election and call, God's purposes. It happens because God, basically. And God predestined Jeremiah to be one of his prophets. Jeremiah then, young as he was, responds, um, I, I am but a youth. How can I be your prophet? He's actually he's stating the fact here. It's not like, oh, I don't know what to speak. It is, he's actually a young guy. Some say it might be 11 to 15 somewhere. The word youth is na'ar in Hebrew, and it means one who's still dependent on his parents or parental support. So it's basically a young guy like Will and Luke, maybe, their age. And God has come to them and saying, I am appointing you to be a prophet. And if God came to me, that would be a daunting task. And imagine how you would feel. And this might be why Jeremiah was a little hesitant. And especially when we see the time that Jeremiah lived in. But God knew that Jeremiah was young, and he still he chose him to be called when he was called. Even before Jeremiah was born, actually, God called him. And God decided to call him at that young age. God says, you will do because I command you. You will say what I say, and you will do, and you will do it where I say you will do it. And this all speaks of God's omniscience, the doctrine of, of, of omniscience. It's omniscience, all knowledge. He knew what was going on. God, that is, knew what was going on in Jeremiah's time and knew that before any of us were born in our mother's womb, we would be here today reading this text. How could he not? And be comforted by this first and foremost. Look at the words of comfort that comes in verse 8 in our text. 
do not be afraid, for I am with you to deliver you. And let us also look to our psalm of assurance this morning that we sung, Psalm 23. And I will read it out of the Bible, not out of the Psalter. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So to wrap up this first point, God knew Jeremiah before he was born. And by the same logic, God knew us before we were born. Here in Jeremiah, we see that God sent Jeremiah to be witness to the nations. You might ask, well, yes, but I'm not Jeremiah. No, we're not. Nor did we get consecrated audibly by God's voice. But let us take this text to heart nonetheless. God is always the one who does the calling. We follow and obey. God is the initiator and we are the responders. The text does not record for as much as what Jeremiah answered to these things. But we see later in the book, if you read that on your own time, that he stayed faithful to the message and to the mission that God gave him. And I pray that we will also stay true to God's word. And to stay true to this text, be warned. This text is first and foremost a text about God sending judgment. Judgment for faithlessness. And we will look upon this in my second text. Instructor. God's word is the only cure for faithlessness. Instructor. God's word is the only cure for faithlessness. Going to verse 9 and 16, we see that Jeremiah, what, what, what Jeremiah was to preach. It was judgment in plucking up and breaking down. But it was also about hope in building and in planting. It was mainly judgment and destruction on Judah and its wickedness but we also see hope for Judah in our text. Verse 9 continues saying that the Lord touched Jeremiah's mouth, a very common way used in other prophets to say that God gave them a message to speak. And God says as much here in the text, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have set you this day over nations and over kingdoms. It was God's message that Jeremiah was to give to the nations. We have already seen that it was God who called Jeremiah. And here we see that it was God who decided what message the message was to be. God is giving Jeremiah instructions. In verse 10, we can see that God says, God speaking. See, I have set you this day over nations, over kingdoms, to pluck up and to break down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. This language points to Jeremiah preaching against sins, giving messages about judgment, and he is also to preach about hope, renewal, and rebuilding. And Jeremiah's words will, or would then, since they were God's word, destroy and build up. As the Lord says in verse 12 of our text, I am watching over my word to perform it. This is God's message. 
It is generally the same message that the, God, that the apostles in the New Testament preached. Paul reiterates this message here in Acts 20. So if you'll join me in Acts 20 and we'll see what God's message through the, the Apostle Paul was. Acts 20, and I will read from verses 19, a few verses on. Acts 20, verse 19. Serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring um, to any of you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I am going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions awaits me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of grace of God. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So Paul, just like Jeremiah, served the Lord in a hostile territory, if we, you would. And we can read that neither of them shrunk back from declaring the message of God. Repentance towards God and faithfulness. By the words of a prophet, we can know if he's preaching God's message or his own. True preachers will, as Paul's text say, be constrained by the Spirit to be faithful to their message and calling and following in the instructions of God, finish the course and ministry received by God. In Jeremiah, there had come fierce wolves who tried to lead the people astray. They were preaching peace, peace, when there was, there was um, destruction and godlessness and war all around. And they stood against Jeremiah's message, Jeremiah's message being God's message of judgment and warning against idolatry. So to us today, we also need to gauge and to, to listen to the texts that we hear preached and to the preachers that preach to us and uh, in so preaching to myself as well, that we should be like the Bereans, as we can read about in Acts 17. And it says that they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if the things were so. 
So this is your call. That your call is to be as Bereans, to judge and to discern whether what I or Matt or any other preacher that you listen to are actually the word of God. And uh, I pray and uh, I I want to almost guarantee, but I will, as long as I'm constrained by the Spirit and by my conscience, testify to you God's word. And I pray that this word will find you today. We see later on in our text about a boiling pot and this branch that was shown to Jeremiah. The branch being, for some reason, that God would watch over his word. Um, some commentary says that the, the word of this branch was sounded like, um, what was it again, watchfulness or something. That do you see the watchfulness? Do you see that I, I will be with the word? And this pot, in essence, was the judgment of God's words and says that out of the north, the tribes of the kingdoms of the north will come and they will set themselves against the city of Jerusalem and against all the walls and all the cities of Judah. These foreign people came from Babylon and traveled and came down to Jerusalem from the north and they set themselves against them and in these fortified cities and they laid, they laid war against them. And this was the judgment that God will use to declare my judgments against them for all their evil in forsaking me. This saying to Judah, they have made offerings to other gods and worshipped the works of their own hands and instead of their maker. This is the reason God gave to Jeremiah and this faithfulness is something that we have to guard ourselves against. So brothers and sisters, hear me now. Worship the Lord, listen to his word and give no value to the words of men and so-called pastors who do not preach God's word. The argument to the, the original audience of Jeremiah 1, I would, and I would argue to us as well, is that God is sovereign. And this text has already shown us that it was God's call that made anything happen, and it was God's call who called Jeremiah, made him a prophet, before he was born. And as other places in the Bible says, even before the foundations of the earth was laid. And this second point has given us that God is sovereign in deciding the message. Jeremiah was not, neither am I. If Jeremiah was to decide the message, who knows what it would have turned out to be. And as I concluded, and as I say, said that there are many pastors who give their message. They take the word of God and they turn it into something that of their own making, either by ignorance, by not knowing any better, or by uh, not caring and using the message for their own gain. Because when we have God's message in our hands, pastors need to be constrained by the Spirit to teach this word and not my own. And I think that many of the problems in our world today comes from pastors around the world not preaching God's word and staying faithful to the message because that leads to unfaithful Christians, either because they don't know any better, because their pastors are not doing their job, or because they don't study the word from themselves. So I pray that you will be Bereans 
who study it for yourself, what you hear. And I pray for Matt and I and other pastors that we will preach God's word faithfully. God's message in this, final, in this part will be a message that will break down and build up. And this is also re- repeated during the book of Jeremiah in chapter 18, 31, and 45 to mention some places. And I love especially what it says in Jeremiah chapter 31. And it shall come to pass that as I have watched over them to pluck them up and to break down, to overthrow, destroy, and bring harm, so will I watch over them and to plant and to build, declares the Lord. And from the grammar, we can see that in the same way or with the same intensity or in the same manner as I destroyed you and I plucked up and broke down, God says, I will also rebuild and replant. Our God is a God of love. And this love led him to declare judgments on his unfaithful people. But when they repented, he did show his mercy upon them and built them up again. My final point will be discussing the persecution God's message will face and the security that God will, that by the security that God will preserve his prophets. So this takes me to my third and final point, guarantor. God will preserve his prophets. Guarantor, God will preserve his prophets. Looking now at verses 17 to 19, and the security we have is the very God, word of God itself. Reading verse 17. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Repeating the words, words of verse 8. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to, de- to deliver you, declares the Lord. So God himself is the guarantor of Jeremiah's message, of his call to the nation of Judah. And uh, this, they will fight against you and your message, God said to Jeremiah. They will not prevail, and they did not. Jesus also said, a similar thing to his disciples, that they would be persecuted for their message. Because God, Jesus' message, in a sense, an echo of Jeremiah 1, that it will break down and build up. Jesus said, I will come with the sword for judgment, but also for salvation. God is, if you could say, in the construction business, in building his kingdom. And he will make sure that it happens his way. And, I, and as we saw in verse 12, I am watching over my word to perform it in our text. God's message through his appointed messengers will prevail. Paul, as we read earlier in the service in Galatians 1, was appointed by God, not man. And Paul gave the message, for, and God gave the message for Paul to preach that our Lord Jesus himself gave him for our sins to deliver us, and this was according to the will of God, our God and Father. Although God's message is manifested as a diamond, like you can look at it on like with different angles, and you will see the same message, but you might 
notice different details about it. So we see that um, Paul is admonishing Christians not to turn away from the gospel. If a man or even an angel is preaching another gospel than that what Jeremiah, Jesus, and Paul preached, shun it and stay away from it, for it will lead to the same faith that as Judah had. Let us not invoke the wrath of God by not listening to his message. And as Galatians 1.15 says, But when he who had set me apart when I was born and who called me by his grace was pleased to reveal his son to me in order that I might preach him among preach him among the Gentiles. We are these Gentiles. And it was God's pleasure that the gospel would be preached to us. And he preserved his preachers to give that message to us today, so many years later. And this gospel message is the only cure to faithlessness. faithlessness. To conclude then, let us be found faithful, not faithless, to God's commandments and message. Let us find our courage and our strength in the life of Jeremiah and especially in the God who is the one who gave him his message to, to the world. Whether it's breaking down or building up, we need to hear the full message of God. And although I am not appointed prophet directly by God, all preachers have been given the call to preach his word faithfully. God knew and called Jeremiah before he was born. And Jesus' death on the cross paid for the sins of his people before they were born, as we all were. We are called to be true and truthful, and as Jeremiah, be ready to face hardship that might come if we stay true to this message. But know that our God is with us. Take courage, but also be warned. God is watching over his word. So keep to it and listen to the lowercase prophets, if you will, of, of God, who is still giving his message and flee preachers who want to give man's message. Let us pray.